Good morning and welcome to the service guys. My name is Kerry, if you don't know me, I'm on staff at the church and it's my privilege to welcome you to our service. If you're joining us from the very first time, we would love to get to know who you are. If you had come uh, to our building, we would have given you coffee and a free snack from our cafe, but unfortunately we can't do that today. The very best I can do is invite you to uh, give us your information at our guest page and someone on staff will give you a call in the week to see how we can serve you uh, during this season. Uh, I have one announcement to let you guys know about this morning, and that is that next week, Saturday, the 30th of May, we're going to be having our third church fun night. We'd love it if you would join us for that at 8 o'clock. Um, you can uh, connect with us via YouTube. Uh, we're hard at work thinking of some new and fresh ways uh, to connect and have fun. But in the meantime, you can just pencil that date in and we'll drop you some more details via email and Facebook in the week ahead. This morning, we're going to worship God through uh, the hearing of His Word. Matt is going to give us our fifth lesson from the book of Joshua and our series A Call to Courage. Then Nateska is going to lead us in worship. And if you would like to worship God through giving, you can make use of our bank details um, and give electronically. Guys, thank you so much for your support during this season. Um, if there's any way that we can continue to support you as a church, please do let us know. Our staff is here to serve you. And we would love to hear how you guys are doing. Um, we love you. We miss you. And we cannot wait to get back together again in person. But in the meantime, please do drop us messages on Facebook or WhatsApp or call us. Uh, we love hearing from you. Have a great Sunday. I'm going to hand over to Howard and Shirley. They're going to pray us in and then Matt will bring God's word. Good morning, SBC. We welcome you to our service this morning and we thank you for joining us. Thanks for connecting every Sunday. We pray that you'll be blessed as we just uh, worship together. Just want to share a passage from Psalm 33. Shelley will read it. It's been encouragement to both of us this past week. Psalm 33, verse 20 to 22. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In Him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in His holy name. May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your unfailing love. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that you are our hope, our strength, and our refuge. And so we pray that you'll just continue to guide and lead us in the next couple of weeks. We keep our eyes on you. We remain uh, encouraged through your word. And so we pray and commit this service to you. We pray that as we leave in the next while that uh, your word would have left us encouraged. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Hello everyone, welcome to another Sunday online service and welcome to those who checked in for the first time. For anybody who's checked in who wouldn't quite consider themselves a Christ follower yet, but you're open to hearing God's word, so good to have you today. We're going to be looking at part five of our series called A Call to Courage, where we're going to be looking at what we can learn about courageous faith from the book of Joshua. And I'm shortly going to hand over to Shane Reviers, one of our deacons, who's going to be reading for us from chapter five today. But before I do that, I just want to exhort and encourage you that if you're part of our SBC Islamic community, I really want to challenge you to continue to be joining us at our communal times, at our Facebook live time at nine o'clock on a Sunday. Again, we had a wonderful prayer meeting on Wednesday night. And as Marina and I participate in these things, particularly last Sunday, 
it was just wonderful to sense God's presence together as a community. We were so encouraged. It was like manna for our souls. And so uh, don't miss out at this time of the grace that God is giving us through community. Even if it is online, stay committed to joining us in these precious moments. So on that note, I'm going to hand over to Shane. Greetings, SBC. Today's reading is taken from Joshua chapter 5. As soon as all the kings of the Amorites, who were beyond the Jordan to the west, and all the kings of the Canaanites, who were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan for the people of Israel until they had crossed over, their hearts melted, and there was no longer any spirit in them because of the people of Israel. At that time the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives and circumcise the sons of Israel a second time. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the sons of Israel at Gibeath Ha'eroloth. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the males of the people who came out of Egypt, all the men of war, had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. Though all the people who came out had been circumcised, Yet all the people who were born on the way in the wilderness after they had come out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the people of Israel walked forty years in the wilderness until all the nation, the men of war who came out of Egypt, perished because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. The Lord swore to them that he would not let them see the land that the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So it was their children whom he raised up in their place that Joshua circumcised. For they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. When the circumcision of the whole nation was finished, they remained in their places in the camp until they were healed. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And so the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. While the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, they kept the Passover on the fourteenth day of the month in the evening on the plains of Jericho. And the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate of the product of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. And the manna ceased the day after they ate of the product of the land, and there was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Thank you so much, Shane. So, we are at a great moment in the life of Israel. They are now finally in the Promised Land after 40 years of uh, wandering through the wilderness. And if you remember last week, they got over into the Promised Land through a mighty act of God. God stopped up the river of Jordan upstream so that the Israelites would cross over on dry ground. 
And we saw that this was a great act of encouragement. This was a great act of God's confirming his promise to his people. And what they were called to do was to take 12 stones from that middle of the riverbed and to set them up as a memorial in their camp of Gilgal. And it was to be a reference point for their faith, not only for this generation of Joshua chapter 5, but those who were going to come through. Now, interestingly, chapter 5 then comes after this moment of making this memorial. And uh, again, the Israelites don't just run forward into the promised land and go take Jericho. I mean, they're close now. We're going to look at how they take Jericho next week. But God, again, calls them to slow down. And they do two great acts in chapter 5 that are very significant in their timing and in their symbolism for the Israelites and for us. And that is they uh, perform this act of circumcision of their males. And we're going to look at that in a bit of detail, what that means and what we can learn from that. And also, they celebrate the Passover, which is really a, a highlight in the life of Israel. And uh, so, you know, then what can we um, discover around the meaning of this for us? Uh, and we're going to dive in a bit of detail around that. But before I get into to those two uh, great things that Israel did, I want to just tackle my first point today, which is an important one, which is this, is that the world is watching God's people. And it comes through so poignantly here in uh, verse 1 of chapter 5. It says, As soon as all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west, and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan for the people of Israel until they had crossed over, their hearts melted, and there was no longer any spirit in them because of the people of Israel. Now, that's profound for me. Because the text goes out of its way to tell us that this great act of God drying up the riverbed of Jordan for his people to cross over, this great act of encouragement and confirmation of God's promise to his people, was not just for Israel. It was actually that God was using it to work in the world around Israel. And friends, that was very encouraging for me. At this time of lockdown and crazy COVID-19, we must not underestimate what God is doing in the hearts of those around us as we courageously depend upon God at this time. You know, God was using Israel's obedience not just as a blessing for Israel, but to be used as a work within the world around them. And the same is for us in this day. And I want us to be reminded of that, that although we mustn't be self-conscious about everybody watching us as we're living out our faith, that's not helpful. It makes you rather unnatural as a Christian. It makes you maybe a little bit scared or maybe a little bit overbearing. Uh, the Israelites weren't aware that these kings were being affected by their obedience to God. Uh, but we are to be aware of that as Christians in this day and age. We are to be aware that people are watching and that uh, how we handle ourselves on social media and how we handle ourselves in conversations is that as we display courageous faith in this day, the world is watching and who knows what God might be doing in those around us. You see, guys, the world is desperately needing to see something that's really ringing true in this time. You know, there are so many spiritual gurus, so many uh, uh, spiritual gurus uh, purveying their spiritual ways, and we've got the answer, we've, we've got what you need for life. And the world is skeptical, and rightly so, because they're being sold a whole bunch of stuff. But what the world is really looking for in this day and age is to see something that has integrity, something that stands firm and rings true, whether it's good weather or whether it's bad weather in life. 
And we have such an opportunity as the church at this time to be witnesses in the way that we display our dependency on God. Friends, courageous faith is not only for us, but God uses it to get the attention of the world. And this could be our finest moment as the church. Some of you have already expressed how family members are open to the gospel like never before because of this COVID crisis. And for us, we need to be have the same mindset that God uses our dependency on him as a witness to the world. All right. My second point is this. It's from Joshua chapter 5, verse 10 to 12. Is that courageous faith rejoices in its salvation. It's a rejoicing faith. It's not a serious, oh, faith, faith. It's not heavy. No, this thing of courageous faith, it rejoices. And we see it in God calling his people before they do anything or achieve anything in the promised land to celebrate their salvation. And we see it in the act of the Passover. Now, I find this timing so important for us today in how the Passover comes before Israel achieves anything. And I want to unpack that a little bit, but just as a reminder, I mean, we unpacked the Passover, but in our Easter services, but I want to remind you again what this Passover meant to the people of Israel. It was very precious, this event in her history. It was that night in Egypt when an angel of death passed over Egypt and was going to strike all the firstborn in the land. And uh, Israel, through faith in the word of God, that God told them through Moses, guys, if you want to escape judgment, then you have to slaughter a lamb, drain out its blood, and then dip its blood with a branch called hyssop. It's a very bushy branch. And they had to paint it on the doorposts and lintels of their house. And then they had to hide under this blood. And true as Bob, they hid under this blood. And the angel passed over, this angel of judgment. And they were spared by faith in God's word and his promise. They were spared by faith in the blood of the Passover lamb. I mean, it was a massive moment. This trusting in a substitute in their place, bringing them freedom and deliverance. And they left Egypt rejoicing because of what God had done. And this moment in the life of Israel and what God did through the blood of the lamb, the blood of the Passover lamb, was very precious because it was an act that was entirely by grace. This act of the Passover for Israel was so precious because it was by mere faith in God's word that they were delivered from their bondage and could actually get to the promised land. And what God is saying to them, guys, even this inheritance that you're about to receive is only possible because of the blood of the lamb. It's only possible because of your faith that you've put in the substitute that has rescued your souls. And so for, for Israel, it was a celebration of grace. They didn't work for this. They didn't buy it. They didn't purchase it. They couldn't earn it. It was given to them as a gift by sheer faith in the word of God and in the blood of the substitute lamb. Now, for me, this is so important because what God wanted the Israelites to know in Joshua chapter 5 was, was, that, was this. Is that you're saying, my people, you're going into this promised land covered by the blood of the Lamb. Wow. In other words, what God wanted his people to know was no matter what they were facing, and they were going to get some things right, Israel was going to do a great job in Jericho, but the very next chapter we're going to see that they did a terrible job in this tiny little town called Ai. They blew it. God wanted them to know no matter what their performance was like, no matter what their faith levels were like, they were going into God's promises covered by the blood of the Passover lamb. They were secure 
in their position as the people of God, in their deliverance and status of being God's chosen race because of faith in the blood and this covering of the blood. It was never going to be attached to their performance. They had to celebrate the Passover before they achieved anything for God. Now, that's something very special in this day. Friends, because we to learn, as this, learn from this as Christians, you know, we're the same. Our salvation is identical to the Passover. We've run to the greatest Passover lamb, the perfect Passover lamb, Jesus Christ. That that rock that's celebrated in Israel's history of the Passover was just a, a foreshadow of the great Passover that was going to arrive, Jesus Christ. And we've run to Jesus by faith. We've run to his blood spilt on the cross and by faith. We've hidden under the blood so that God might pass over the judgment of our sin and set us free from death and give us eternal life. Wow. And I just want to point out to you again today. This gospel is good news because it's free. Faith is without work. Faith is simply believing God's promises that if we put your faith in his blood of the Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, we'll be saved. It is a gift. And I want to point out to you today, it is to be the source of our rejoicing as Christians. Because by faith in Jesus, what we have received is monumental. Can I just... Remind us again, you know, Martin Luther was so right, you have to bang this gospel of what God has done into your head because it, it's almost too good to believe to be true. But I want to remind you that through faith in Jesus Christ, our Passover lamb, God has given you as a Christian an entirely new status. You are born again as a son or daughter of the living God, and you are entirely forgiven. You are entirely accepted. You are entirely received as part of the family of God. You're in his household. Secondly, you've received a new citizenship in heaven that is eternal. And I want to say, you know, we've got lots of fellow South Africans looking to immigrate to Australia and New Zealand and the UK. I want to say, I'm waiting for the greatest immigration that's going to happen. It's going to be that day when I get to immigrate to the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells, right? We have got such a future. And the Bible says it is secure. You are already seated in the heavenly places where Christ is. Your citizenship is secure. This is this world is passing away. Oh man, what's coming is going to be glorious, and you're going to be a part of it simply through faith in the blood of the Lamb. And perhaps the greatest thing for me, the side of the grave, is what has happened through faith in our Passover Lamb, Jesus Christ, is that we have received God now as a father, not a judge. That changes the entire atmosphere of our faith, of our experience of this life. Because as a judge, you're always worried whether or not he's going to condemn you and kick you out based on the case you can present, right? It's a very insecure space. That judge doesn't care about you. He just cares about whether or not you did something right or wrong. But a father is a nurturer. A father is somebody that helps a child grow from baby, from being a baby to a toddler to, to, to a child and an adolescent is an understanding of a shepherding and a nurturing and being for um, this, this child. It's an entirely different atmosphere. And the biggest thing I want to point out to you today, which must be the thing that grips your heart with absolute joy, is that your salvation is secure by the blood of the Passover lamb. That's the point of Joshua chapter 5, is it did not matter 
how badly or how well the second generation of Israel did, the foundation of their relationship with God was that they were covered by the blood. Now that's a game changer. I want to say to you today, this thing of feeling secure in our salvation is very important because there are so many reasons to be insecure in it, not so. And lockdown, I want to say to you today, if I can just share a little bit of my personal uh, testimony, has brought out a lot of fraughtness in me, right? I mean, it has put pressure on areas. And I've often said to Marina, oh, my word, I'm actually quite shocked, although I shouldn't be after so much time having to engage with them. But I'm actually quite shocked what's coming out of my life. And it can be so discouraging, you know. And there's a lot that, that this season is bringing out that can be of a great discouragement when you look at yourself. And so. But this is the point of Joshua chapter 5. God saying, I don't want you to look at yourselves. I don't want you to look at yourselves. I want you to look at the blood. I want you to realize you're going into my plans and purposes covered by this blood of the Passover lamb that I'm able to deal with you, not based on your performance, but your position under the blood. And it is so precious. I am going to be your God. I want you to celebrate your salvation that has been by grace through faith. That is your hiding place. That is your joy. And for us, we celebrate this God as Father that we are going to be forever in His household on good days and on bad days, my friend. And what I love about this story of Israel is, you know, how can I be so strong in our security of salvation that we are never, ever, ever going to be plucked from God's hand, that God is never going to let us go, no matter the sin or disobedience or rebellion that we display in our lives. He is able to bear with us as His children because of the blood of the past of the Lamb. How do I know that? Well, because don't you remember that first generation? Weren't there such a flop and failure in their conduct before God? You know, I cringe at the first generation of Israelites, at their grumbling, at their unbelief, and at their rebellion. God should have spat them out and kicked them back off to Egypt. But he didn't. Because it was a statement of saying, my relationship with you is not based on your performance. It's based on blood. I have been satisfied fundamentally in my justice and in my righteousness through this covering of the blood of the Passover lamb over you. I am able to be your father forever because you're under the blood. And so the first generation, despite their failure, was still part of the kingdom of God. The second generation were to remember that God was going to deal with them by the blood. Now, I want to just make one more point here under this second big heading of courageous faith rejoices in its salvation, is that the joy of the Lord is to be our strength. And the place where you find your joy is if you've got to learn to revel in what God has done for you by nature of your faith in Jesus. And this is not an academic thing. It's very important. And I sometimes worry that we can be too academic as preachers. I want you to know that the scripture that is so important for us is it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. There's nothing academic or abstract about that, right? It's literally in your experience of God, tasting and seeing. It's to be good, and it is. Blessed are all who find refuge in him. And if you're a Christian, you find refuge in him through the blood of Jesus. And friends, the blood of Jesus is to allow us to feel forgiven. You have permission to feel forgiven 
through the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus gives us permission to feel at peace with God. The blood of Jesus gives us permission to draw close in fellowship to this God of Israel. The blood of Jesus is to allow us to experience joy. This isn't an academic thing. Ah, and I want to close off the second point by saying, have you tasted of this? Our friends, have you put your faith in the blood of the Passover lamb? You see, this is not an abstract. God, God is not this general God out there in the universe or all the gods represent God. It is a specific faith in a specific Savior, Jesus Christ, that brings salvation. That's where you must bring your faith to, is Jesus Christ alone. That's where you must cast your hope. Have you done it yet? Because until you do, you're not part of the kingdom of God yet. You're not part of God's forgiveness of sin and of his family yet. The promises are not yours yet. Ah, but they can be if you put your faith in the perfect Passover Lamb, Jesus Christ, today. All right, and that brings us to our third point today. Courageous faith honors the covenant. Now, it's a bit of a weird way of, of stating the point, I understand, but just give me a moment to unpack this. Courageous faith honors the covenant, and it comes through in Joshua chapter 5, verse 2 to 9. And it's this act of circumcision, uh, which is this outward expression of Israel of two things, of a son, um, of this righteousness by faith that we've been talking about in point two, this righteousness by faith that comes through faith in the blood of the Lamb. Uh, circumcision was a sign of that righteousness by faith. Um, but secondly, circumcision is also a sign of the covenant that God makes with Israel. The covenant that their faith in the blood of the Lamb brings them into. And we've never really spoken about circumcision before, so I just want to take a few moments to unpack the meaning of circumcision and where it comes from today. But it goes all the way back to literally the father of Israel, Abraham. Uh, all of Israel were physical descendants of Abraham, and we are spiritual descendants of Abraham. He was the father of faith. And uh, what happened in Genesis chapter 17 was God reaffirms his great promises to Abraham, that Abraham was going to become a great nation, that um, he was going to be the God of uh, his descendants uh, forever, and that um, they were going to get the land of Canaan, which is wonderful. Joshua chapter 5 is a fulfillment of their promise to Abraham. They are now in the promised land. And uh, if you remember, it's not the first time God had shared these promises with Abraham. The first time was in Genesis chapter 12. And when Abraham heard these promises, he just believed God. It was amazing. He didn't operate by sight. He just operated on what God said. And he said, well, God, if, if you say it, I believe it. And in that act of faith, Abraham was saved. It says in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, it says, um, Abraham believed God and his faith was credited to him as righteousness. And so after all of this had happened, after Abraham's salvation by faith, is Genesis chapter 17 comes and says, God, God says to Abraham, I'm going to give you a sign, an outward expression of this faith that you've showed in my word and my promises. And the expression of faith is this, is circumcision. It's a powerful uh, act instructed by God of Abraham to be done on himself and all of his male descendants, that uh, they had, it, was, it was a picture of this justification by faith alone. And interestingly, if you look at the difference between the new covenant, which we're under, versus the old Mosaic law covenant, which um, Israel in Joshua chapter 5 is under, is circumcision was central to the life of Israel 
because it was a symbolism of this act of faith that brought them into covenant with God. So under the new covenant, we no longer circumcise our baby boys in the Christian church as a, a rite of passage or as an external sign. What we do in the Christian church is we have baptism, which is a sign of uh, justification by faith and regeneration. And so under the old covenant, circumcision was very precious, just like baptism under the new covenant is a great sign and expression of our faith. So this is the point of why I tell you all this, is under the Mosaic law, you could not participate in the Passover unless you had been circumcised. In other words, what can we learn from that? This Joshua chapter 5, before they could celebrate the Passover, they had to undergo this act of circumcision. And its meaning is this, is that unless you have come to a place of faith, in God's promise, in God's word, that salvation comes through the blood of the Passover lamb. And remember, it's a glorious thing. Abraham believed the promise that from his seed, every family and every nation was going to be blessed. And that was further explained in this Passover act in Israel, in, in Egypt, that night of the Passover. They got to see that redemption was going to be through the blood of a Passover lamb. And we've seen the fulfillment of that promise to Abraham in the greatest Passover lamb coming, the final perfect one, Jesus Christ. Circumcision was powerful because it said this, unless you come to faith in the word of God, in the blood of the Passover lamb, you could not enjoy the blessings of this relationship with God, of what the benefits of being covered by the blood brings. You could not enjoy the Passover. And today, what does it mean for us? It means this, my friend, if you have not yet come to a place of faith in the blood of the Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, you can't enjoy the benefits of the Passover. God has not passed over your sin yet. You're still under judgment for your sin. You're still needing forgiveness of sin. You still can't celebrate as being part of the people of God. You are outside of the covenant. You are outside of God's purposes and plans. But you can come in. You must come in by being uh, symbolized, what is circumcision symbolizes, which is faith in the blood of Jesus brings you into the blessing of the Passover. And so that's why the circumcision of the Israelites comes first in Joshua chapter 5, because it's a sign of their faith in the blood of the Passover lamb that enables them to enjoy the festival and celebration of what we've been talking about, rejoicing in their salvation. So as I land today, I want to point out one more thing about circumcision. It's not only a sign of justification by faith, but it's also a sign of covenant. And covenant is a powerful thing in scripture. We don't talk about it much in the 21st century church. It was a big deal in church history. But covenant means this. It means that uh, there is a, a, an agreement, a binding agreement, uh, which is uh, sealed with an oath uh, between two parties. And there are responsibilities on either side. And that's important. In other words, what the circumcision symbolizes for the Israelites in Joshua chapter 5 was their faith in the blood of the Passover lamb had brought them into a covenant, which was a very precious relationship with this God of the Bible, the God of Israel. And it had responsibilities on God's side, and it had responsibilities on our side. And so the act of circumcision was a reminder that they had to honor this covenant. You see, the great trouble with the first generation in the wilderness 
was that they didn't circumcise their children and was an, a symbolic sign of them not honoring their covenant with God, of them falling away in unbelief in the wilderness, of them not um, uh, going forward in the things of God because they didn't honor their responsibility uh, to their covenantal promises to God. And so today, I want to unpack this thing of circumcision for Joshua and his people was to remind them that they were in covenant and this covenant was setting them apart, consecrating them for God alone. You see, the act of circumcision was to make the, the, the nation of Israel feel unique, feel different to the nations around them. None of the surrounding nations in Israel circumcised their males. And it was a sign of them being set apart for God. And this very act of symbolism of the cutting off of flesh is very powerful because, as you know, in Scripture, flesh symbolizes anything that's been corrupted by sin or fallen because of sin or, or tainted because of sin. It, it's a worldliness. It, it's a, anything that opposes godliness and purity and uprightness. And this act of cutting off flesh was the, the response of Israel to this covenant of grace that they had entered into by saying, we are going to set ourselves apart for you. We don't want to be a part of anything in this world that is not of you, God, that's, that, that you detest, that you are against, that you are not for, that does not display who you are. And friends, it is basically a call to holiness. And so that's important. Israel had to know that they were under the blood, that this blood had brought them into a covenant and this covenant was a call to be set apart for God only. No matter where they went, no matter what they did, they would have to have this awareness that they belong to God. And for us as Christians, we might not uh, follow circumcision as a right, but we do definitely have circumcision of the heart. That's the point. And this new covenant, Jeremiah 4, verse 4, it says, Circumcise yourselves to the Lord, remove the foreskin of your hearts, O men of Judah. And inhabitants of Jerusalem. Lest my wrath go forth like fire and burn with none to quench it because of the evil of your deeds. Jeremiah says, Be circumcised in your hearts. Set aside, set aside, set aside yourself for God in your heart and your desires and your inclinations. Romans chapter 2, verse 28 to 29 says this For no one is a Jew who is merely one out of the, nor is circumcision out of the physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the Spirit. Not by the letter. And to summarize it all, in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6, it says this. It says, And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring, so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and that you may live. Friends, this is what we must remember as Christians. We have been bought at a price, the blood of Jesus. We've been given a status of the people of God. So let's behave like it. Let's remember that we are called to carry ourselves in such a way that we are set apart only for him. And why is this ultimately so important? It comes to at the end of Joshua chapter 5 when that angel of the Lord with the giant sword suddenly appears before Joshua. And Joshua asks him the question, are you for us or are you for our adversaries? <laughs> and he, the angel of the Lord gives quite a peculiar answer. He says, No! In other words, he's saying, I'm not for you, and I'm not for them. I'm for the Lord. 
And if you want to move forward with God into this promised land, you have to be for him. You have to be set apart for him because this angel of the Lord only camps in one camp. And that's the camp of the Lord. And my friend, if you want to know where you need to be set apart for at this time where you are facing tremendous trials, is you have to determine in your brain, in your mind, who your, your allegiance is going to lie with. In which camp are you going to dwell? God's not going to be in your camp. God's not going to be in their camp. God's going to be in his camp. And that's where he's calling us to dwell. And his presence is in his camp. His commands and his leadership is in his camp. Is We are to track with him. We are to be set apart for him alone. And if there's anything in our lives that is representative of fleshiness, of sin and worldliness, cut it off. Cut it off. Do you know why? Because there is a great promise for Israel in Joshua chapter 5. If they will do this, if they will set apart themselves for God only, saying, God, I want to please you alone. In this season, I'm giving myself to you. I'm consecrating myself to you. I'm setting apart myself to you as holy. What you will find is what Joshua was offered in that moment, is that the very hosts of heaven will be on your side. If you are on the Lord's side in your life, you're choosing to please him, you will experience like Joshua. And you've got to remember, even if it's just by faith in your mind. You've got to remember that the very armies of the Lord are with you in this season. The very armies of heaven are going before you and they're fighting for you. They're going before you and saying, hey man, don't lose heart. You're not in this alone. You're not struggling to depend on God alone. The very hosts of heaven with drawn swords are fighting for the believer who's going after God. Now some of us here, you're in tough spots, right? Some of you are hard pressed on every side. Doesn't it give you courage that as you give yourself to God, you realize that the very hosts of heaven are on your side. They are there fighting for you. They're standing with you. The very hordes of heaven are going before you to say, hey, I'm going ahead of you. And I'm going to be with you. And you're going to make it. You're not alone. The Christian stands alone in sin. The Christian stands alone in his own strength when he doesn't remember that he set apart for God, but for the one who remembers that they're in covenant, that this blood of Jesus had brought them into a covenant relationship with God. And then that covenant is a call to be set apart for God alone. And in the season, if you will give yourself to God, even in weakness, even in fatigue, even in uncertainty, and you will say, God, I'm not going to respond to the conversation of the world. I'm not going to respond to the attitude of the world. I'm not going to respond to the unbelief of the world. I'm not going to join that camp. I'm not going to enjoy join the camp that my flesh wants to join in. I'm not going to join that camp that the world is in. I want to be in your camp. I want to be set apart for you as holy, as an expression of my worship and of my delight and thanksgiving of what you've done for me by the blood of Jesus. I want to be set apart for you. You will find that the very hosts of heaven are standing with you, my friend. You are not alone. And God will supply the, the fighting force from heaven that you need at this time. What courage for Joshua to realize he wasn't going forward in his own strength, but as he was yielding him and the nation to God, God was fighting for them. He's fighting for you, my friends, and you are on the winning side. Let's pray. Father, we want to just go, wow, Lord, today we're so grateful for the blessing of being in covenant with you. That, Lord, it's so wonderful to realize afresh that we have the blood of Jesus. 
that shelters us. Even if we stumble, Lord, we stumble under the blood of Jesus. We can get up, we can be forgiven, we can be accepted, we can be received. That we never lose our status as children of God. And that you as our Father are graciously able to bear with us because of the blood. And it's your joy to do so, Lord. We thank you, Lord. But we also realize that this faith in the blood of Jesus has led us into a covenant relationship where we have responsibilities to you, Lord. That, Lord, we not only have received the blessings of the promises of this covenant of forgiveness, acceptance, eternal life, and a position in your family forever, but, Lord, you call us to reflect in our behavior the status we've received. And, God, we want to do it well in this time. Lord, for my brothers and sisters who are under great pressure at this time, I pray, God, that their worship would be to you a decision to stand and honor the covenant. Say, Lord, I want to be in your camp. I want to be set apart for you only. I want to honor you. And I pray today, Lord, that you would infuse fresh courage from heaven, that they would see that, Lord, you are fighting for them as we take up our position to be in your camp, Lord. The great armies of heaven are standing with us. And we're on the winning side. We're going to win. We're going to win. You're with us, Lord. We bless you, Jesus. And thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.